today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Both London, Hamilton, and uh, many other communities across the province are uh, dealing uh, with the tent encampments that have been set up, homeless people that uh, many of them be a result of COVID-19, but some of the other financial pressures, of course, uh, that have caused these. Uh, the city of Hamilton, of course, uh, used First Ontario Centre, the arena in ta- the downtown. Uh, and there's, and that's not the only place, of course. There's one outside the arena, certainly, but a number of other places, too, uh, where they are located. And there's been negotiation that has gone on between the city and uh, a number of organizations, including uh, uh, ha- Keeping Six, which is the Hamilton Harm Reduction Action Team, uh, and others, a, a group of doctors that are also weighing in on this. And the, the discussion, sometimes debate, uh, has been sprinkled with some uh, rather acrimonious uh, comments from some people on city council. But nonetheless, uh, it looks as if there may be some sort of a, a plan to move forward on this. Uh, Lisa Nussi is with Keeping Six, and uh, she joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Morning, Lisa. How are you today? Oh, good morning, Bill. How are you? Good. Bring us up to speed on what's going on. Yeah, so um, you probably have heard that on Wednesday night after the, count- the city council meeting, it was announced that we'd reached an agreement to avoid going to court and also to lift the injunction, which will uh, result in the city being able to uh, apply its bylaws through a protocol that we've agreed to that really does acknowledge that there are people in the city who do have nowhere else to go and that the practice of moving them on from place to place is not a productive one. Are you comfortable with that the, the whole concept, the fact that there is an agreement? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, I was thinking before I got, I got on about our last um, our last our last conversation, and at that time, it looked like there was no negotiations on the horizon. But I did say that we were really hopeful and optimistic, and wouldn't believe till we were in court that there would be some negotiations. So when um, when the city reached out to say they would in fact negotiate and talk to us, we were really relieved because we really have always felt that. Um, you know, the, the, the court and the injunctions were necessary in order to make ourselves heard and in order to uh, get some traction on an issue that we felt really strongly about and that we were hearing uh, from the ground was really important to people. But we knew that, as Councillor Clark said in, in one of his statements in, in council, that the injunction was a really blunt instrument and it wasn't going to get at some of the nuance that was that's really important in this in this conversation and so we're uh, we are relieved that we have been able to sit down and work through some of the issues and address some of our primary concerns which as i mentioned is that that people who really do have nowhere else to, to go it moving from place to place is not a helpful practice What's uh, yeah? Because this has got to be just well. Well, I know the last time you and I talked. I mean, the, the frustration level was was palpable from everybody involved in this. Because I get the sense there were some people on city council that didn't want to hear any of the underlying issues. They just said, "Get this thing out of here," uh, and and that makes the, the idea of a compromise that much more difficult, I guess, to attain. But it lo- it looks as if and sounds as if saner voices uh, have dominated the conversation of late, uh, which is good news. Were you surprised by some of the comments you heard, though, in the early days of, of these t- discussions and the talks? You know, we have tried really hard to focus on the facts of the matters and the responding in, to the comments in very um, factual ways in terms of where the discussion belongs and, um, you know, what the issues on the, on the ground really were and that, 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 people were struggling to access alternatives. So we've tried, we, you know, we have had to engage, obviously, with some of the comments from the councillors, but we've tried to really tease out what was um, sort of, uh, you know, designed to undermine our arguments and, and address the facts. So I think that's 
that's the, the best way I can describe how, how we've responded in the past. Well, because, as you said before, I mean, this is a multifaceted issue. It's a, it's a public health issue. It's a poverty issue. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a mental health issue. And, and I know some people on council seem to be characterizing it as a law and order issue, uh, which just kind of, I, I was befuddled by that. Like, you're, you're not listening here. Well, and that's that's why we were, you know, we're really relieved to have been able to sit down and talk and to work out this protocol, which, you know, the spirit of which really is that if people are assessed to have extremely complicated needs or mental health and street outreach who have been big partners um, to us and who are, you know, some of the, what we would say are some of the sort of hardest working on the ground people in the city to advocate for people who don't sort of meet this um, for that criteria t- in order to be able to advocate that people can stay where they are until they have a more suitable option. Um, and so uh, that really feels like an accomplishment to us, to have to have been able to have enough conversation to come to that level of agreement is a, real, is a, is a really big accomplishment to us. And then the other thing I would say that we're really proud of is that it has forced the conversation in the public, not only around encampments, but also around housing and around the needs of, and, you know, the city itself acknowledges that there is a housing crisis in the city. And of course, that I've talked about before on this program, how it's not just a, you know, a, a municipal problem, but a provincial and a national problem. And our agreement um, it compels us, uh, both sides, to continue advocating for um, funding from different levels of government, particularly the province as it relates to health supports for people who need supports in order to stay housed successfully. By the way, I, I just want people to understand as well that I know there's some rather polarizing comments, uh, but on the other hand, there were a number of councillors and an awful lot of people on Hamilton City staff uh, that were sympathetic and empathetic to what was going on and were trying to find solutions to this. So it, it wasn't as if this was a, a, a polarizing situation for some people. Uh, and it, I'm glad to hear that there was some some a compromise that was finally attained in situations like this. So how does this plan roll out? What do we see happening over the next little while? Well, in the next, in the next, the, the lawyers are taking care of the lawyer stuff. So they are um, working now to get before the courts in order to lift the injunction, which is part of the agreement we have agreed to lift the injunction, which had, you know, blanketly pro- prohibited anybody from moving anybody from anywhere. And um, so that that we expect will happen in the next week or so that people that the lawyers will be before the court to have the injunction lifted. And in the meantime, we're working really hard with, um, you know, as I mentioned, mental health and street outreach and, and folks on the ground to help people understand how this plan rolls out. And that once the injunction is lifted, the protocol that was that was published by the city on Wednesday night will go into effect. And so um, it outlines areas in which encampments are prohibited, namely um, environmentally or um, uh, heritage properties, uh, that encampments are prohibited there, that they need to be five-tenths or less, um, that they need to be a certain distance from schools. I'm just pulling it up here so I don't miss any important points. Um, And that people will then also, when when there is a complaint by the the public about encampments, that... um, the task force will go out, the uh, mental health and street outreach will go out and engage with people, let them know that they're, you know, that they're going to start helping them and working with people to access shelter and housing and hotel options in the city, and that if the assessment of mental health and street outreach is that people are of a certain acuity, which means they have complex needs that prevent them from, say, being successful in shelter or accessing housing within the, the two-week time limit that this protocol outlines, 
then then those folks will be permitted to stay so long as they're not in prohibited areas. And Which that process do- will take place again once the injunction is lifted. That process will will, go, will come into play. Okay, with those parameters that have been set and agreed upon, yes. uh, are there any other present encampments that uh, that are going to have to be disbanded? Yes, absolutely. So you know when when the when the what the agreement says is that there's uh, five five tents in an encampment, and I want to um, actually take a second to talk about that because yeah. going into the the you know, we had to prepare materials for the court and put forward a motion around what it is that we wanted, the what we thought would be the best, in the absence of being able to have conversation with, with, with decision makers. We sort of had to come up with what a plan on our own. And so we had done a fair bit of engaging prior to the negotiating process, which we were really thankful for, talking to people in encampments, talking to people across the country and saying, okay, like, you know, obviously, we no one thinks tents are ideal, and that was really we've been really clear about that. But if you have to live in a tent, what are some of the circumstances that you, you know, think are really important? What are deal breakers for you? We've also tried to hear from the from residents in Hamilton who are not living in encampments and come up with a plan that also accommodates and and attends to some of their primary concerns. And so, size is always um, a point of contention for encampments, both for people living in them as well as for people living near them. And so so that agreement to have um, encampments of five or less will obviously and definitely impact the high-profile encampments like Ferguson. The First Ontario Centre will be impacted by the prohibition of um, encampments on sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I didn't mention actually in my in my list. I missed it, even though I was reading right from the page. Um, you know, and I, we, you know, we we think that that's also reasonable, and that it it can be difficult for people walking by if the the tents are sort of moving into the into the pathway, um, and also difficult for people living in encampments um, to sort of be in main view of people walking by all the time and that that also had led to some difficulties in the past in the past month acknowledging again that the people who are sitting uh, who are residing right now on Ferguson Street and also in First Ontario as I mentioned in our last interview bill they're there because that's where the services are and yeah. so one of the things that we really need to think about going forward as this plan comes into place is how to prevent those needs from arising in that way again. And I, you know, I, I, we've been talking about the second wave of COVID coming. We're very, very concerned about closures in the winter. You know, closures in the summer were really tough to handle. They were really difficult for people not being able to access washrooms, not being able to access water, and and not being able to access cooling centers or places to cool off. In as you remember, what was a very devastating yep. and hot summer, and the the you know. Those problems are going to be exacerbated yet again when the weather changes and 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 it you know we we deal with winter temperatures and people not again having access to indoor spaces, not having access to washrooms. So we're really really conscious of that as we move into you know and and as we move away from this process of litigation, which has really quite frankly been a huge drain on our our meager resources. Those are the kinds of things that we're going to focus on going forward. Is how can we create the conditions that don't call for large encampments like what existed at Ferguson and outside of First Ontario. Or what yeah, which kind of, what kind of moves us into the realm of long-term solutions if you're, to address and tackle those problems. Uh, more to the point, though, as you mentioned, the seasons are changing, Lisa, as we've seen yeah. over the last little while. Uh, 
are you concerned uh, from a public health standpoint about what might happen as a result of this? I mean, there are still going to be some encampments around town, albeit smaller, of course, by uh, by this, this compromise here. But you mentioned, obviously, the second wave of COVID that we're yeah. experiencing, and we're not sure how bad that's going to get. We're heading into mm-hmm. flu season, too. Are you, do you have public health concerns about these encampments? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Bill, it's why we've always said we don't think tents are the solution. You know, they really, I mean, we're a harm reduction group um, and, and tents and encampments and not moving them on is a practice of harm reduction. It is not the answer, you know. And so, of course, we are concerned and, of course, we support every effort that the city can make to get people into shelter and into housing. That we, And we have always supported that for sure. And And I think that as a community, we really need to you know, continue to try and tackle this issue head on because it is not getting the weather and the and the increasing prices of of housing are are you know going to make for a very difficult winter and difficult next while. Yeah, and therein lies the concern uh, mm-hmm. about accommodations. And, and by the way, we should also mention that uh, the city has been endeavoring to do this for quite some time, uh, and there have been programs, long-standing programs, about uh, alternative, as you mentioned, hotels, motels, whatever they can do to try to find some space. Uh, but I guess the discussion has to morph into, uh, you know, where else can we look and what other uh, inventive ideas can we come up with right now? Uh, you're, you're bang on, Lisa. I mean, the federal and the provincial governments have to step up here. Because mm-hmm. this is not just a Hamilton issue or a London issue. This is a a province-wide issue as far as we're concerned here, uh, but the federal and provincial governments have got to understand the, the need for public housing. They talk about it every time they do a budget, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or a throne speech or whatever it is, but, uh, you know, where's the money and, and where are the, the housing units? So that, that's got to be part of this, but I'm, I'm glad that at least we're talking about the short term as well, but the city has a responsibility too. They just can't say, well, as soon as we get the money, we're going to do something about this. You know, with, there are vacant buildings here. There's lots of things that, that present possibilities right now. And I'm, I'm hoping that, that your group, the Hamilton Harm Reduction Team and the city and others who are stakeholders in this, uh, don't, you know, don't end the conversation. I mean, this is, this is the beginning of the solution, not the end of it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And like I said, I, um, we do feel that the injunction has had some role in, in accelerating some of those conversations and accelerating some action. But absolutely, we need to keep that pressure on and keep those conversations going because it's not a problem that's going to resolve itself. And, and, of course, the numbers are going to be rather interesting as this goes on, too. And, and uh, you know, about the number of encampments and things of this nature. Are you, are you comfortable that the, the the discussions you've had with the city might serve as a template for some of the other communities that are also looking for solutions? Oh, that's a great question. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, we, yeah, I, I think, I think what we are really happy about is that this, like I said, this, this protocol establishes a framework that acknowledges that there are people who have nowhere else to go. And if it works, then certainly, you know, and if it's applied in the spirit that it's intended, and if we as a community and we as a, you know, a city and, a, and a, um, an encampment task force can take that, this protocol up in the spirit that it's intended and create uh, sort of um, release in the, in the pressure that people face to move from one place to another, we would obviously be happy if that was a model that was useful for people people elsewhere absolutely yeah. now that this agreement has been reached now i understand there's a the, the legality here about the injunction and that that takes time of course as you say the mm-hmm. lawyers are into that right now but the, 
is, is the rest of the program already starting to roll out? I mean, as we said a minute ago, the city's already been trying to find alternative co accommodation for a number of these people. And, and of course, that's only a finite number of units or hotel rooms or whatever it is that they're going to use. Uh, so there's, there's going to be some concern. And at some point, they're going to say, that's it, uh, we're finished. And there's still going to be an awful lot of people uh, that aren't going to have a roof over their heads as the winter gets colder right now. Mm -hmm. So... So I'm glad to see this happening, but I, I don't want people to, to go away from this conversation thinking, well, that problem's solved, because it isn't. It, it, there's still a long way to go here. I think that's some of the, you know, it, that, that's a really important point, because we do feel some relief that this process, this particular chapter about the legal stuff is, is resolved. But as we've said all along, and the city has also said, like, tents are not the solution. So this protocol represents, an approach, but it is not a solution to the issue of encampments. It is not in and of itself going to take people off the street. We need real political will and real resources and real imagination and real infrastructure in order for that to happen. Well, and this, like so many other things, and you had I had this conversation back in the summertime, uh, in as much as COVID was a contributing factor in this, what it also did was expose some of these other longstanding problems that mm -hmm. uh, heretofore had been shoved to the back burner, I guess. And, you know, we've always known they were homeless, and it only became a problem if they got in our way or we didn't like to look at them in front of the arena or something like that. So, And, and it was problematic because that, that really stalled the conversation about how we're going to deal with this and the solutions to this. Uh, so it's it's on the front burner now, and that's mm -hmm. good. Uh, and, and, you know, we need to keep it there, I guess, because, the, you know, the problems aren't going to go away anytime soon. It's one thing to say, okay, the tents are going to be diminished or the, the, the encampments are going to be diminished, but the problems have to be addressed, too. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. It's public health. It's 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 poverty. Uh, you know, and, and I know the people that have been working on things like this for a number of years have talked about things like, you know, living wage programs and things of this nature, rent controls, and, and that's all got to be thrown onto the table at some point in the conversation, uh, which I hope is going to continue. Lisa, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have an update from you. Uh, yeah. It's great to see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's probably a long way off, but at least there's a light. Yeah, thank you very much for always reaching out, Bill, to have us on the show to, to bring our perspective to the table. We really appreciate it. Great talking with you, Lisa. Continued good luck with this, by the way. All the best. Lisa Nussie, I'm uh, keeping six, of course, the Hamilton Harm Reduction Action Team. And uh, kudos to the city, by the way, and the other stakeholders that got involved in this and got around the table uh, to come up with uh, what seems like a workable solution. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.